Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Rise of Kin. I just realized after talking for I don't know how long that I had not hit the record button. So, you know, uh, maybe my best material is gone into the ethers of existence. <laughs> but I'll, I will try to uh, re-replicate whatever I was saying or the thoughts and ideas that I was sharing. So I did a little road trip this past weekend with my son. We were on a special mission, which I will reveal later. And we were driving through Wyoming and went down into Colorado, visited a friend down there who I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, and we're just pulling over, stopping, letting my son shoot the nature shots that he wanted. We, we came across this wild horse uh, area in Wyoming that, that was on BLM land that was absolutely majestic. We were there at sunset and the horses were, you know, feeding and kind of trotting around. And it was just a, a magical experience. We saw some, what I believe are antelopes. Uh, my son was calling them pronghorns. So I don't know exactly what they were, but they were an animal that I had never seen before and were really beautiful running in packs. I mean, just hundreds of them running the BLM ranges that go through Wyoming. Um, and then the contrast to that was getting through South Wyoming and seeing just heavy industrialization of oil, the oil and gas industry. And, uh, you know, I know that provides like critical economic value to those areas, but it was, it was quite the contrast to going through the open ranges and coming out of the Teton National Forest and the Bridger Teton National Forest and just some of these, you know, totally majestic areas of the Rocky Mountains into a, a, a natural landscape that is heavily industrialized. And I was thinking as we were driving, we had these long, long stretches of, you know, we were listening to podcasts. I was letting him listen to podcasts about aliens and UFOs and crazy stuff. And we were, uh, we would go through these stretches where the radio would end and he wouldn't say anything or the, the podcast would end and he wouldn't say anything and I wouldn't say anything. And we were just driving. And, uh, you know, I was thinking to myself after one of them that was talking about AI that you know, a lot of people are afraid of AI destroying life. And I just, it kind of came to me that I don't think that's as much of a worry as just us ruining life and ecosystems ourselves on this planet. You know, we seem to, unfortunately, we seem to be doing a pretty good job of that. And it, I, I just started reflecting on my own personal journey and feeling super lucky that I was exposed to composting and you, you know, using food scraps to make new soil and gardening and the a farmer's market and that as a way of life, because that's how we lived up until I want to say like fifth or sixth grade. We, that was a regular part of our existence. And you know, I, we've been working over the last, since moving out of New York city to make that a weekly and daily part of our existence with our kids, uh, mostly because I enjoy doing it, but I also see how important it is for the kids to 
have their own direct connection to the earth. Cause there's some, there's some truth in that relationship. There's some, um, you know, there's no intermediary between you and the earth. And that's a very powerful thing to experience and thinking about, you know, at some point water was not polluted and it did not have a price on it. At some point, what you ate was not polluted and there was no price on it except for your time and energy to go forage for those things. Um, and you know what, a couple experiences that really opened up our eyes to kind of the modern situation that we're in was going from New York city where everything is just kind of throw away right? You just like, if you're done using it, you just get rid of it. You donate it, you toss it in the trash, like whatever it is. It's a very, um, easy existence yet fairly unconscious in my experience. And to go from there to the beach in Hawaii, where at every storm swell, the amount of microplastics that wash up on the beach is I mean, at times it would just completely cover the beach in colors. So when we were there, my kids took a really strong interest. Actually, my my oldest daughter did a project for school, and I think she filled up a five-gallon bucket with microplastics and brought it into the class, and the teacher was a little bit shocked. And she, you know, she was six at the time. And she was like, I, I really want to get this plastic off the beach. She was very focused on cleaning up the earth um, in her small little way. And I thought how beautiful that was just to be aware like that, just to be conscious of the fact that, you know, you can do something about it. And then going to my uncle's in New Mexico and living in a rural area that there is no trash service. Um, you know, so you, what you throw out, you haul out to the waste. Uh, you know, it's, it's basically like a shipping container like structure that they fill up and load out once every week or two. But you, we, as a family, we became even more conscious there because you would see it pile up for a week or two. And so we worked really hard to, you know, just reduce the amount of bags that we would take, uh, because it, you know, it's very eye opening to live that way. And finally going down to Costa Rica and, you know, we were actively composting everything we were eating. It, it also made me realize that in Costa Rica, how much fresh food we were eating because we didn't really buy that much plastic. We weren't eating a lot of meat down there. We were mostly eating fruits and vegetables and some grains. Um, most of, and 80 to 90% of it was bought from the farmer's market, which was incredible. And, you know, we were putting that compost to use. We were just dumping it in holes on our land so that the soil becomes more nutrient dense uh, in, in the areas that we were planting fruit trees and, um, you know, where we're planning on building some stuff in the future, but that sort of series of events, I think has, it, it's raised the awareness within myself again, you know, um, and 
coming back to the U.S. in wintertime where there, where there is less fresh food, it's definitely eye-opening how much, like we don't really have that much of a choice in how much plastic is out there. So even trying to get away from it is a, you know, requires a level of diligence and discipline in yourself to just say, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to buy that. I'm going to go find a water fountain or something, you know? Um, and a lot of times the things that aren't packaged in plastic are much more expensive, like honey in glass jars or milk in glass jars you have to pay a deposit for. So we're, you know, I feel fortunate that we're able to do those things, but we're also making a conscious choice to purchase those things and spend our economic energy in things that we believe in and that are truly sustainable for this planet as much, as much as we can. And it also just makes me realize how important it is to have a garden and have the space to have your own food so that you aren't kind of in a position where you have to buy all these things, these highly processed things. Um, which I, you know, I have no judgment around it on, you know, if you have to do it and that's what you have to do for nutrients right now, I completely get it. I, I've been in, in my own journey, I kind of became aware of food pretty early, probably because I grew up that way growing food and I knew what organic food was from a pretty early age. And after a couple of years of being out on my own, I just realized how much garbage I was eating and putting into my body. And I went through a phase where I wouldn't eat anything processed. I like went out of my way. I was working in Seattle and I, I definitely was overweight at the time from eating just garbage, right? Just boxed food. And I went through a year phase where I didn't touch anything that was processed, like no zero processed foods. I would only shop at the food co-op and get fresh things. Um, and it, I guess I was, I was eating processed like wheat or something because I was still eating bread and stuff like that. But, you know, that was a very health, healthy and cleansing process. And ever since then, even moving to New York, I realized that like, you know, in order to be efficient in New York, you can't, you can't really focus on food that much. And, you've got to just kind of take it where you can get it. And on top of that, there is some incredible food in New York as most people who have been there know. So, you know, I let go of it a little bit there. And over the last year, it's just become so obvious to me as I travel around that, you know, we're basically eating the same food, no matter where you go, if you're buying your food from the store because the same farms are shipping all over the country. We, we, were, we were shopping at Whole Foods in New York, and we were shopping at Whole Foods in Hawaii. And basically, other than the few local things that the Hawaii Whole Foods had, which was, it was very minimal. It was basically like herbs and some greens. We were eating the same food that we were eating in New York. And fortunately, while we were out there, there, there were a couple farmers uh, near us that had started growing organically. They weren't certified, but you know, we went and toured their farms with the kids just so they could see them. And they're just amazing humans growing, you know, very clean and wonderful food. 
so we just started buying, you know, 80% of our produce there. And in Costa Rica, that was much easier because there's so many, or like the way of life down there is very organic and pure for the most part. Uh, if you choose it to be so, you know, this is, I, for some reason this, this weekend. And as we were driving hundreds and hundreds of miles through a vast landscape, I just saw, you know, I saw a lot of trash on the side of the highway as the snow was melted and I saw what was available in, in the stores, right. And, and what's available in a lot of areas. And, you know, my son brought it up as we were driving through the oil and gas fields that he wants to make this coffee table book of his photographs of, you know, polluting factors. And he looked up at me and asked, do you think anybody would buy a, a book from a 10 year old? And I was like, man, I think, I think you see as clear as anyone else on this planet and that it's a choice. If you want to express yourself that way and put your creative energy out into the world where you're trying to help raise consciousness around certain things, I, I think that's a beautiful way to do it, right? Is to kind of frame frame these things photographically and share it with your own message. Um, you know, but it was one of those conversations that I'm having with him where I'm talking to him, but I'm also talking to myself, <laughs> you know, it's, I find that that's how most of the conversations with the kids go these days is, um, speaking to them yet I'm speaking to myself and, you know, we're all, we're all on the same team. We're all in this together. We all want clean water and healthy food. And, um, we want to live happy and peacefully, which really doesn't seem that hard to me. I know that, you know, the world is a little bit of a gauntlet to move through and navigate, especially on the financial front. Yet it is entirely possible. And for me to be living in that space, coming from New York and coming from finance and wall street. Um, you know, I think that, I think that says a lot. I, I think it says a lot because it's very easy to not break a cycle and just stay doing the same thing over and over again. It's very easy to get in the habit of doing things and put yourself on autopilot. It actually, I think is some sort of survival mechanism, right? Of like, when you know how to do something, you can kind of put it on autopilot and that way you can spend your energy doing other things that are required to live. And yeah, I don't know how, I, I guess I just keep looking back to the fact that I got the experience as a kid. I had a garden. We had a peaceful place. I got a lot of unstructured play by myself. Um, I broke shit. I got filthy dirty. I lit fires. I put them out. Um, you know, we had compost. We picked fruits off of trees and all in you know, all of those things. We got little sweet treats at the, at the farmer's market and, you know, it, that may sound simple to anyone who's not living that way, but I can share as a human and as a child, 
that was a very peaceful way to grow up. And um, I think that that helped me see pretty clearly that we needed to get out of New York when we did. And we got very lucky leaving before the pandemic. But, um, you know, it feels to me like a lot of people feel trapped or scared to make a move like that, to make a, a big change in life. And when I was, we were hanging with our friends in Colorado on Saturday evening and they made a big move to get out of New York and, uh, you know, they're starting to take interest in growing things and, you know, just what they're eating and some of the simple, simple pleasures of life. And it was just a reminder to me that, uh, that, that, that's not easy. You know, it's, it's actually very difficult. I have another friend who, who I went to college with in New York, who's planning on moving out in November. And we were talking about his move and they're like, yeah, we'll believe it when we see it. We don't, you know, we don't think he's going to move out of New York. And I, you know, I know him very well and he's at, he's reached that phase where he's ready to go. He's ready to launch into the unknown and just, you know, experience something different and have more of a connection with the earth and get out and hike and play and, you know, do those things, right? Maybe even grow a garden. I don't know. But those simple things, you know, they actually, I kind of view that at this point as you're saving the planet by making that choice. And it's a very simple choice yet a very daunting task to go start from scratch, but that it's a choice nonetheless. And it's right in front of us every day. Uh, and whether that's just, you know, raised beds and, or planters that you can plant wherever you are now, or that's buying land and starting from scratch or some variation in between, it seems critically important. We're like, I feel like we are past the point of no return where that has to happen more. And I, you know, I'm super thankful for all the farmers who grow organically and produce things at farmers markets anywhere that my family has been, because it's allowed us to get wonderfully nutritious, like fulfilling food everywhere we go. So those were just my thoughts and observations from a short little road trip through the space time continuum. And uh, I appreciate everybody listening. Again, Rise of Kin on Substack. If you like this and uh, want to share it, I would truly appreciate that because I think it's the best way for this to grow. And, um, you know, if you don't like it, please unsubscribe. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not for everyone. And um, if you, if you want to share it, or subscribe. That's amazing. I appreciate it. I'm really just documenting my journey here as a human and a father. Um, so appreciate it. Hope everybody chooses to live in peace.